Hi, hello. It's another episode of Passive Pixels. Uh, this is actually a special episode, and yes, it is me, everyone's favorite weeb in denial degenerate, uh, Dorian. We have that on record. You really want to start <laughs> off that way. Now, you, you, I'm just making you edit it out. I'm uh, I'm starting your uh, chops early here. <laughs> you think If you think that's cut, getting cut out, then you don't know how I edit. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we're off to a swimming start here. Uh, you know what? Let's not even talk about what we're fucking here for you. Let's just introduce who we're here with. Uh, as you've already heard, we're here with Ed, the founder, president, and... Uh, CEO of Passive Pixels. No, no, no. I'm only CEO, though. Oh, right. uh, Janet Jr. Right. Jr. is still CEO. She took the power away from me, and honestly, it's up to her. She's the one with the debt now. <laughs> I always forget that. Uh, and how are you doing today? You good? Everything? everything oh, great? oh, just as I was saying before we even hit recording, I'm at negative 100 calories for the day uh, because I went to the doctor, and they're like, hey, you're fat. Uh, which is funny because they called me not long ago. They're like, yeah, your blood's good. You're just fat. And I was like, oh, well, okay. I might have to actually change shit now. So, um, no, the answer is how am I doing? No, no. I had Pringles. That's 110 calories. I'm at uh, 290 calories for the day. And I bike ride and that burned 400. So we're at negative 100 right now. So if I get angry, understandable, completely understandable. That's fantastic. Um, I'm glad to hear all that. I hope you get less fat soon. I hope so. Uh, We're also here. (laughs) We're also here with the man, the myth, the legend, Sean Mason. Sean, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, I really love this podcast, so I'm I'm really excited for this episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we apologize. Sean, I'm not gonna lie. Every time that you say that you like the show, I feel really bad because I'm always thinking the show could be better. And then you're like, "It's it's great. I'm enjoying it." And I'm like, "Crap, man! If this is already good to Sean, then like, what happens when it actually becomes good to me?" Well, then the universe just implodes. So actually, that that makes sense. If I'm ever yeah. satisfied, the universe exploding immediately after <laughs> we perfect. It'd be like, "Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I don't even get to enjoy it." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why are we here today? I mean, you probably read the title and you already know, but why are we here today? Well, we are here to discuss a little movie called Waves. Uh, this is the third film by director Trey Edward Schultz. Uh, I, and by the way, I will just say, say off the top, I recommend all of his movies. They're all fantastic. Uh, he's also done a movie called Krisha, and It Comes at Night. This was his latest effort, though. This was in 2019, uh, starring Kel- Kelvin Harrison Jr., Taylor Russell, Sterling K. Brown, Lucas Hedges, uh, Alexa Dimi. Uh, there's a lot of people here. Uh, a really solid cast. And this movie is a very special movie for a lot of different reasons, I feel. Uh, I have found out about this movie thanks to Passive Pixels in general. Ed, Ed badgered me I, to watch this I, movie for a while. Please don't attribute it to Passive Pixels. Please say it was me instead because I That's don't want to let any happen. I don't want any positivity associated with, wow, Passive Pixels gave me waves. Like, no, I, I can't. I can't. That's true. But uh, no, Ed was definitely a strong believer in this film to me. I still, he, he's like, yeah, movie sad. You like, you will like. And I'm like, okay, let's watch this film. And boy, more prophetic words weren't spoken. Um, and then Mr. Sean Mason, I don't know if this was on your radar at all, but I remember you did ask for a list of movies to watch. Uh, was it was it us that told you about Waves, or did you know about this before? I didn't know about it at all, and then I was looking at uh, your letterbox list of your favorite films, and I was just looking, and I saw this movie Waves, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I clicked it, I looked it up, and um, I was like, oh, this seems right up my alley. So I put it on a list of movies to watch, and then I sent you that list, and you were like, definitely watch Waves. I'm like, all right. And I watched it, and instantly loved it and since then i've watched it two more times i actually watched it again last night 
awesome movie. Loved it. Yeah, that's I love to hear that. Um, and I figured that, yeah, I figured that we had talked a bit about that. And I know you sent me, you DM me that list. And I was like, yeah, you got to watch Ways. Man. I really need to hear your thoughts on that. So uh, I'm glad you did. And I'm glad you liked it. Uh, Ed, what's your history with the movie? I don't even know how you first uh, stumbled across this. So the way that I end up finding most of these random indie movies is usually because of screen junkies. Uh, the people who make the honest trailers on YouTube. Uh, but by extension, it was more of uh, one of the guys who's no longer there, uh, but he split off and is doing his own YouTube thing. Uh, Dan Merle. Uh, Dan Merle is the person who also gave me Sing Street. And I think in his review for Waves, or I don't remember if it was a review for Waves, or maybe it was on their um, SJU live show. Let me... Okay, the guest context for that, SJU, Screen Junkies Universe uh, Live, was usually like, I think, a daily show that they had where they talk about movies, and I think, I can't remember anymore, but I know for sure the constants are Screen Junkies, Dan Merle, and them always bringing up small movies that they're keeping an eye on, and either it was him or someone else that talked about this movie, and they were talking about how, oh man... It may either have been that or it may have been that the topic was small indie movies this year that you probably haven't seen. And they mentioned Waves and they talked about, I think, honestly, the sadness is what brought me to it. And I think they talked about how there was a huge shift in the movie and how it was something where you thought, oh, that's not going to work. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh, wow, that worked even better than I thought it would. So that's really how I end up pulling most of these movies. It ends up being either Screen Junkies, it ends up being Dan Merle, or a Third Train, which is a YouTube channel that technically no longer is named this, but I don't want to call it its new name because the new name would make you think that they're still that they're not putting out good content, which is Cinefix. And these people were, I think, then purchased out by IGN. So now IGN Movies and TV on YouTube is what Cinefix used to be. And their te- their top 10 lists are incredible and usually the best way that I find random movies. So, uh, hell, maybe it's Screen Junkies. Maybe it was Dan Merle. Maybe it was Cinefix. I don't know, but I've given you a good amount of YouTube videos to be able to find the pipeline of where I find these movies now. That's great. Yeah, you've talked a lot about them in the past, um, especially uh, Cinefix. And I do want to start watching their content at some point. Dude, they look. Which, uh, by the way, they dropped a new video that I haven't got to watch, which is how biopics distill, adapt, and distort reality. And all I know is that I am nine minutes in that one. And I'm pretty sure when I'm done, I will share that video on the Discord because it's, it's a good one where it's like, oh, I like this. And it's also pointing me to like, oh, I should watch that. Like right now, they're talking about Malcolm X when I stopped watching the movie. It's like, oh, yeah, Denzel was in that. I should watch that. So, yeah, no, dude, Cinefix and Screen Junkies and Dan Merle, all three of those are always putting movies on my radar that I never would have stopped or think about again. Yeah, I I just love that uh, somebody could actually be bought by IGN and still retain some sort of... uh... Uh, yeah. creativity and uh, independent freedom. So that's nice because it sounds like they're still putting out good content. So good for them. Oh, yeah. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I figured the best way as always. So this is going to be a full on spoiler cast. So spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, obviously, you know, you're going to duck out in a minute here because you don't want to spoil it for yourself. I really wouldn't. Oh, shit. I haven't seen it yet. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, you almost you almost didn't watch it. Rewatch in time. We, we, we just got you at the very, uh, very end there. 
Look, I'm um, telling you right now, I have it on in my other monitor, and I'm watching it as we go. Let's go. <laughs> perfect, perfect. I'll just be a little bit delayed <laughs> with your thoughts. No problem. Um, no, but yeah, so before we just dive fully into spoilers, I just kind of wanted to do some very surface-level thoughts, just general things you want to say about if you... Obviously, I think we're all very positive on the movie. I think that. But just if you wanted to say anything before we start diving deep and gritty. So, uh, Sean, let's start with you. Is there anything you wanted to say? Just that... The movie goes, you can slowly see, like, the downfall of, like, the main character right from, Tyler, right from the beginning of the movie, uh, slowly spiraling out of control, and that is really, like, compelling to me, and just, like, watching it happen slowly by, and you know, as a viewer, you know, like, oh, this is not gonna end well for him, this is not gonna end well, and it's just so sad to see that happen, but then, the effects after that it has on the family are what really hits you. And it's just, it's one of those movies that makes you feel. And it was awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's a great point. And it really does. It, it affects you so profoundly in so many different ways. And, and I want to talk more about that, but that'll be diving into spoilers. So uh, Ed yourself, uh, you, this, you rewatched it, I think for your second time, right? The uh, same feeling was on it. More positive, less positive. What'd you think? I think I was underselling it in my memory. I knew that I already liked this movie. I knew that it was good. I knew that it was top tier, but I feel like even though I knew all of that rewatching it again, which is, it's kind of weird to say because like i can kind of consider that anything that i watched probably before 2015 i'm ready to just say maybe i didn't watch that you know i don't think i had the right eye for it but it's weird thinking that that feeling of me feeling like i know what a good movie is has only exponentially grown like from like 2015 to now on that even watching this movie in Probably 2019, 2020, I don't really remember when I watched it anymore, but the fact that it feels like even just a small gap of three, two or three years feels like, oh, I am picking up so much more in this movie than I watched it initially, which to be fair to myself was that I didn't watch this in an ideal scenario. I've mentioned it before, but my brother-in-law is a man who I admire a lot. Uh, because he specifically is a person who can look at the billions of movies on a streaming service, sees a movie and goes, yeah, I'm going to watch that. And he doesn't scroll through a billion movies before trying to choose the right one or like, oh, man, this will watch later. I'm not in the mood for this. Like this man will just shoot and then choose a movie. I think this was another one where I was just sitting there and I said, oh, Waves, that has Sterling K. Brown. We're watching This Is Us right now. He's probably good in that. And then everyone just went, yeah, let's watch that. I'm like, oh, okay, shit, I thought we were going to scroll through more. So uh, Waves didn't watch in an ideal scenario because it was just a TV in a living room. Uh, you know, this is a movie that, like, you kind of need to pay attention and then get all the small little camera angles and the colorings Ugh. being able to watch it again in my theater room makes me so happy because i got the full effect of this movie like it 
I hate saying it because I always hate bringing up newer movies to talk about older movies. But, you know, it's always a good way to bring someone in to understand what I mean. What I mean by saying that this movie has some of those shades that Uncut Gems has, which is like it just has that racketing up tension. We're just like, oh, my God, I can't I don't know if I can handle this right now. This movie is so much better when you have 11 speakers pointing at you and just making you feel uncomfortable as hell. So, yes, this movie is even better than I thought. I love it. Uh, I almost feel like I want to watch this in 4K. Uh, good luck. When the fuck are we going to get that? But... I would like to watch this movie in 4K to see if it's something that I love even more. Because right now, I'm right on the edge of, would I want this on my shelf? But right now, I can say I'm super positive on this movie. And I feel like I let it slip in my mind more than it should have. Yeah, I think people, I mean, long-time listeners, God help you, will know that even if something Jesus. is in uh, contention to be on edge shelf, like if it's even a thought, that's, that's high praise. And if it doesn't get there... There's a thought for it. It's high praise. I mean, so. let's not remember. We need to say that the shelf is not about quality. It is just how much no. I like it. Because, like, let's be honest, you right. know, there's some questionable you know shit that. on the there, shelf. There, we, we, if, if we were just taking quality only, then Ed's shelf would have a big problem in certain areas. Let's uh, let's put it that way. Dude, that, that'd be dumping <laughs> so many movies I already like. It's like, oh, man, Speed Racer can't have this in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll just talk briefly now. Uh, yeah. So Ed obviously got me to watch this. Instantly fell in love with this movie. My rewatch did nothing to change that. Just affirm that this movie is incredible. I love your comparison to Uncut Gems. I'm going to dive into that more later, but I totally agree with that. Also, funny enough, it came out the same year as Uncut Gems. Like, A24 had Uncut Gems, The Lighthouse, and Waves in the same fucking year. And not one of those movies got nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I just, you bring this up and it's something that I just remembered. Uh, when I was watching Waves yesterday, my wife just walks in and she's like, you're watching this shit again? And then I just had to remind <laughs> myself that she just, she knows when she sees the A24 logo, it's like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Yeah, but no, this this movie's absolutely incredible. Please, if you have not seen this, please stop this podcast. I mean, you should stop the podcast either way. But uh, if you have not, if you have not seen this, definitely stop this. Watch this movie first because you'll get so much more enjoyment out of it. Uh, so yeah, from this point on, everything is going to be some sort of spoiler. We're gonna go somewhat deep into it. So here we go. Um, and I think the best way to do this, unlike the Batman one where we kind of went more character based and obviously we'll still talk about the characters here. This movie is a lot more plot based too. So and the, the easiest way I think to divide this movie is literally in half because we have two yeah. very distinct and different halves of this movie. The first half is basically taking your heart, breaking it, crushing it into a billion little fucking pieces and making you feel like a pile of shit. And then the second half is slowly repairing you, healing you, and letting you feel that life is worth living again. Let's talk about the first half of this movie, shall we? Boys, who wants to start? <laughs> uh, I, I could start. Um, Go right uh, ahead. So right away when it opens up, it's like basically a montage of like Tyler's, like everything about his daily life. Like the day in the life of Tyler. He's, you know, he's working out. He's doing the, the workout around the track. He's lifting weights. He's driving to school. And that instant montage just kind of brings you in and says, like, okay, this is what a day in the life of his life looks like. He's at school. 
and you can tell right away that he has like he has his love interest and right away in my mind i was like all right so he's in high school he has a little love interest so like what's 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 the deal here what's going to happen between these two characters and it makes you really want to know what's going to happen and then you know when he comes home you see the fi- the family dynamics where you can already tell right away that his father is a little too hard on him like right away like just the way he's acting towards him the way he's like talking to him asking him questions you can tell right away that his father is just you know that overbearing father that you know kind of hard ass yeah puts his what he wants puts his dreams on to you oh oh okay i actually didn't take it that way i didn't actually ever think that um uh ronald i think was his name or I might just call him Sterling K. Brown because honestly, that's just how I saw him the entire. It's time. Ronald Williams. Ronald Williams. Okay. Um, I'm probably still going to call him Sterling K. Brown yeah, because I'm going to remember that more often. <laughs> uh, anyways, I never read it like that. Um, so let's let's get this out of the way because I know at some point we'll probably bring it up. It's stupid how people think that this movie was way more racial than it actually is, right? Yeah. The, yeah. The, the fact that this has the controversy on Letterboxd and by people is really fucking stupid. This, like, the fact that, a, like, I guess people are just upset and that maybe Wait, because it's so a white director doing this we movie. We should explain. We should yeah. explain what yeah. it is. Um... No, that's the thing. I was telling, I was teeing you up. I don't know exactly what it is. Oh, oh, well, as far, okay. No, that's fine. As far as I know, it's basically just the fact that a white director is basically showing uh, the family dynamics between a black family. And then, of course, well, I mean, we're already in spoilers now. At the very end of the first half, of course, um, we've got the main character, Tyler, basically killing uh, his girlfriend in a fit of rage, um, jealous rage. Uh, and there was controversy over that. Just oh, of course the black guy's got to kill and all that shit. And it's just wow, it's cool. such they didn't a watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a reductive way to look at a piece of film. And you're looking at it through a lens where you're trying to be offended and upset. And if if you honestly believe something like this, then just I don't know what to tell you, man. But you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's nothing inherently racist about this. If anything, this is a very powerful movie. I think for black people and for uh, for black uh, families and stuff like that to hang their hat on and uh, show off a very good piece of cinema that's for them. So uh, the two things that I was going to bring up, just in relation to Ronald, because uh, for Ronald, I never saw it as him projecting his desires onto. What was the son's name? Tyler. Tyler. Okay, thank you. Tyler, I'm going to have to remember because I don't remember that actor's name. Uh, basically, I never saw it as him projecting himself onto Tyler, his dreams and aspirations like that. Because like it, when you look at Ronald, right, that man is built. That man owns a business. That man has that house. He has that family. This man has done everything that he can that he seems like he's achieved pretty much everything that he wants. He has a nice truck. He was able to buy his son a nice truck he has two kids like he has pretty much everything so i never saw it really as projection i always felt like he was just pushing tyler because he was like if i can achieve all of this and probably with worse standing than what you have you could probably go even further than i could and then the reason why i brought up the racial controversy is because re-watching it i in my memory i so the the timeline goes like this. I watched this movie a couple of years ago, literally only a couple of months ago when Dorian over here watches the movie. Do I find out that people are like, eh, it has black people. It's racial now. It's like, just shut up. Only now do I realize that 
it, there is actually something racial here. And it's just a small little piece. It's in the first half of the movie where Ronald is talking to Tyler and Tyler's already being moody. I think his arm is already starting to mess up and uh, he's sitting there with him. He's like, listen, we have to be 10 times. We have to work 10 times harder than everyone else. And it's like, Oh, you guys didn't like that. That's racial right there. That is racial right there. You're talking about how basically black people will have to work harder than white people 10 times harder to be able to achieve the same spot. It's like, okay, that actually kind of gives Ronald some texture of why he pushes Tyler so hard because he knows that if he had to work 10 times as hard then Tyler, even though, you know, he has that extra standing with the good family the uh, ability to wrestle at the high level that he does uh, all of these, all of these opportunities to help him be pushed up even higher. That's kind of why I think Ronald more just saw, like if I was able to get this far with all the things that I have to deal with you using this higher base is going to push you even further. But I, I don't know if to blame Tyler as a character that he couldn't stand the pressure or I don't know, but that I'm getting off track there. Basically, Ronald, I don't know if I agree with that. I think I understand. Uh, like I, I, yeah. I totally get where you're coming from there with, uh, I think a lot of it, it has to do with like a parent. They always want their parent to be, uh, I mean, they always want their kid to be better off than them. So I think that Ronald works so hard on, you know, achieving what he's achieved in his life like you said that he has his business he has his family he has a nice house that i think he saw like i said he saw how much he was pushed as a kid that he needs to push his son to be you know even better than him so yeah i totally get where you're coming from it's I mean, hard man oh yeah wait wait why am i trying to host you're, you're the one hosting go ahead <laughs> sorry no, no it's all good it's all it's all good it's it's hard for me, man, because here's the thing. Sterling, first of all, Sterling K. Brown is amazing in this role. Yes, um, absolutely. And Ronald is a really complicated character because he's not a ba- like he's not a bad guy. He is a very good father. He does push oh. him too hard. He pushes his kid way too hard, and I think we can all agree on that. But I don't think he's a bad dad. He's just trying to do the best he can to give his kid the best life possible. And I don't think anything he says is inherently wrong. In a lot of places, black people do have to work 10 times harder. He's not wrong in saying that to his son. He's just trying to push his kid as hard as he can so that he has the same work ethic that he has. The problem is he doesn't he, he doesn't stop enough to see the signs that something's off because the yeah. signs are there. The signs are very much there that Tyler's not all there and he's dealing with this injury and he's dealing with this stress. He's dealing with this pressure. And oh, wait, fuck. My girlfriend's pregnant now. Hello. Let's introduce that to the plot. His girlfriend played by uh, Alexis, uh, who's Alexis. His name is Alexis Lopez in this. Uh, she is basically from she's in uh what what she's in uh what's that show um euphoria euphoria right yeah she's in euphoria as well um similar kind of character <laughs> funny enough uh, so they're playing the same character except one's a bitch and one's not <laughs> that's true that's true um yeah so she so we introduce her into the mix now and her dad and there's even tension with his with his dad and that like oh i don't know if you're man enough to have a relationship yet you might need to stop seeing her oh well oh she's actually pregnant now and you want to keep the baby 
oh. So it's just pressure after pressure after pressure building for this poor kid. And it's expertly seen. Let's talk about some of the cinematography in this movie for a second. Because oh our, as the pressure builds, we get the aspect ratio basically Ooh. beginning to shrink. And I've never seen a movie do that so effectively it. like this one. It is so well done. <laughs> uh, did you notice that your first watch, Sean? I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I did. I noticed that like anytime the pressure started to build, like you had said, like it would it would zone in on Tyler. It would zoom in. You could almost you could feel the emotion coming from him. Like you almost like sense it uh, coming right from his skin. You could like almost like I said, you could almost like you could almost like see it. Just how tense it was. Uh, I do want to jump back very quickly. Uh, I hate, Hattie, that you mentioned uh, Ronald being a good dad because that was actually one of the notes that I wrote. Like, that was one that I wanted to bring up way later. So I I, I want to revisit that. Just just not yet. Sure. Um, yeah, we could, we could definitely bring that up later. Oh, yeah. Um, I literally have two other notes besides that. Like, I was like, I'm watching this movie. I just want to soak it in. Uh, going back to the cinematography, though, um, and the aspect ratio. So a couple of things. Uh, first, let's get my joke out of the way, because I thought about this immediately. Um, I'm going to create a letterboxed list, and it's going to have literally two movies on it. And it's going to say... The title of the list is going to be movies where the aspect ratio changes to enhance the movie. And one of them is going to be waves. And then the other one's going to be transformers age of extinction. So, um, <laughs> for very different reasons, <laughs> wait, um, no, sorry. Uh, transformers the last night. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and the funny thing you, the funny thing about this is cause you've only seen waves. You haven't seen uh, it comes at night or, um, Chris, yet either of you, right? Correct. I have not, but, uh, they're both on my watch list. Same. Okay. Well, the funny thing is they both play with aspect ratios too. So this is very yes! much a Trey. This is very much a Trey Edward Schultz uh, director trait at this point, I think. Dope. It's something he enjoys doing. So. Oh, I love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, watching this movie stuff. the first time uh, with my sister-in-law, uh, her husband, and then my wife. And I remember the scene where... Um, I didn't even notice the first aspect ratio change whenever Tyler wakes up uh, yeah. in the uh, bathtub. It yeah. wasn't until the next one changes when he's at the bonfire with that change. That's when I noticed I was like, wait a minute, did the aspect ratio just changed, but we're watching a movie, so I'm not going to stop and rewind it. I'm like, no, 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 whatever. Like, I'm not going to confirm it. I just want to bring up the aspect ratio changed and then as soon as alexa bites it i was like oh yeah oh holy shit they're changing it and i started losing my fucking mind and of course you know with the company that i'm in none of them are as ridiculous as i am about movies so i'm over <laughs> here losing my shit about like it's been four by three. Oh my god it's been four by three and they're just like you okay there you're right there, and I'm just like, like you don't understand. You don't understand. This is, it's one sixty-six by one. This is awesome. And they're just like, yeah, dude, she's fucking dead. What is wrong with you? Why are you freaking out about the aspect ratio? I'm just like, you don't understand. This is so fucking cool. Okay, guys. Yeah, it, this was so. Uh, the first time I watched this movie, I had the unfortunate uh, 
the unfortunate pleasure of watching this on Crave, oh. which for all you Americans, you wouldn't know it. Uh, it's basically HBO Max, but 10 times worse. It's horrible. You get really bad ghosting. It's the worst streaming service in Canada. No, so no, no, watching this. Thing. I will explain this better. I will. I will. Yeah, sure. uh, I'm what? not going to mansplain. I'm going to mansplain um, uh, people uh, Hulu, but worse um, or not HBO Max, HBO Go, but worse. There we go. Oh, my gosh. There yeah, <laughs> you see, Sean understood that one. <laughs> yeah, it's Crave is, dude. Yeah, Go was terrible. Crave is bad. I cannot stress how bad it is. So my rewatch, I got to watch it on a pristine Blu-ray uh, and a very nice transfer quality Blu-ray too. So it was night and day. I was like, oh my god, this is so much better. And yes, a 4K for this film would be absolutely lovely. Will we ever get it? God, who knows? It would have to probably be, come through A24's line, but maybe one day. Um, all right. So I'm just trying to think what else we haven't touched on for the first half. Is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about specifically? Um, we kind of touched on the girlfriend a little bit. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to mention, and then you guys can. No, we didn't touch the girlfriend. Well, we touched. That was that was Tyler. Tyler. We just so said that she's pregnant. And she yeah. Dies. So the girlfriend's pregnant. She wants to keep her. She wants to keep her. Uh, keep keep the baby. Basically, she decides, which leads to a whole thing. But the 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 scene at the abortion clinic. Specifically, oh, oh, yeah, that's a powerful scene. And if you want to talk about racial, we do get a little bit of racial attention in, in this part oh. as well, too. Um, what do you guys think about that scene, uh, Sean? You were about to bring it up, so go ahead. Ah, uh, just so tense. It's like when the police officer comes into the abortion clinic and you know just mentions, you know, we got to be careful. You know, these ladies carry guns out here. I've seen it happen. And then as they're, it's Florida, so yeah, yeah, yeah. As they're walking out. <laughs> When, you know, you can tell that Alexis is upset. Uh, she still hasn't told Tyler, like, about, like, oh, like, what happened or anything. And then, the like, the protesters start yelling just the racial slurs. And then Tyler freaks out and Alexis freaks out. She's already stressed. He's already stressed about the baby. It just, like I said, that tension that Ed mentioned, it's just, it keeps, it keeps building up. And you just feel it. You feel how angry Tyler is feeling in that moment. You know, bringing that up just because it's one of the moments when it happens. Shout out to every time that Trey Edward Schultz just three sixties the camera inside a car. Like every single time that happens, I'm just like I feel really uneasy, and it's literally just two teenagers driving on a freeway, and they're just listening to music and they're happy and going to the beach. Why do I feel so uncomfortable? But yeah, um, seriously, uh, if you ever hear anyone throw out a hard R N bomb, that person does not care about their lives. Please distance yourself from them because you might be collateral damage at that point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that scene just goes to show you how, just just how like the Tyler's. It just I feel like it gives you more Tyler's mindset and just how he's melting down here and how everything's kind of coming crashing down around him and there's so much stress and then he's got that and then his girlfriend really shortly after that's like no I didn't get rid of the kid and they get into a huge fight what what I find most frustrating about this first half and like I mean in a good way like I love this movie mm-hmm. what I find most frustrating is all that needed to really happen was just an honest like it was an honest conversation I feel with him and his father at some point if they could have just sat down yeah. and had an honest one-on-one conversation when all this shit was coming to a head, it wouldn't have ended like this. And we'll get to the ending in a second there. But it just wouldn't have ended so badly. And I think between the dad not being the dad not being connect emotionally connected enough to realize that his son was basically losing his grip 
and the son just being so overwhelmed and feeling like he has nowhere to go. It just couldn't happen. And to me, that's just tragic. Yeah, I felt that Tyler might have even been afraid to talk to his father about this. Oh, absolutely. What about oh, just, 100%. It, yeah. yeah, just given how much they, how much we, we learn about their relationship through their small conversations. Uh, I thought it was also interesting how, you know, Tyler starts taking his father's uh, oxy, his painkillers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that point in the movie where, yeah. where they, um, oh, I forget the stepmother's name, but uh, she asks about um, Ronald. Yeah, yeah sorry. Stepmother's name is I almost called him. I almost called him Randall from Last of Us. I mean, um, uh, this is us. Wow. Oh, okay. You too, then. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, realize I was the only one. <laughs> my mom used to watch it, and I used to watch it with her sometimes. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, no, no. What am I talking true. about? The first two seasons are okay. Like they're actually decent. It's just like afterwards, I was like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. But we're derailing, so continue. Okay, so uh, he had mentioned, "Have you noticed any of my painkillers missing?" And she goes, "No, no." And he goes, "Oh, all right." He kind of just shug- shrugs it off. Knowing that his son has going through a shoulder injury, he has a lot of pressure on him from yeah. uh, wrestling. He's, you know, all the the colleges are looking at him. I I don't under like it was baffled me how he didn't put two and two together because immediately it's like how do you not put two and two together? I mean, it's coping. Like it's obviously him yeah. thinking, no, my son is perfect. There's no reason he would ever do that. He is just like me. I would never do that. It's, like honestly, I. Okay, you know what? I might just bring it up now. I thought I could hold on to it, but it's very hard for me to get around it. No, like, that's just the thing, because I didn't want to bring up the Randall thing, the is he a good dad or not, until later on. You know, I was thinking that maybe we would just go through the movie, but no, it's it's really hard for me to speak without saying this. I think Ronald's a bad dad. Um, he means very well. He has tried very hard, but... He is, I think, a bad dad because if there's one thing I started paying attention to, which is whenever the movie is in full frame, right? So here's the thing. Uh, Like Sean said, right? The movie starts changing the aspect ratio and it starts getting smaller and smaller. So you can divide this movie up by full screen, the second aspect ratio, third aspect ratio, and then the letterbox four by three, uh, fourth aspect ratio. The first one is when Ronald shows up the most. He is there. He is present. But it isn't until the third um, the third aspect ratio that you barely get to see him. This man checks out so hard after Tyler loses. And that single shot of Tyler sitting down of already like just like in pain, not really crying. But then when he sees I was about to say Randall screwed I, Ronald, Randall, Sterling K. Brown. I apologize if I use them interchangeably moving forward. Ronald being all the way at the end and just having the most dad judgmental stare you could imagine. This is something that pops up in your nightmares if you have daddy issues of him just looking at him and then just turns his head away. Like, I don't want to look at my failure of a son. And then that's the moment that Tyler breaks. It's one of those things that at the end of the movie, when the stepmom's like, you're not here. You, where were you? Yes, he literally was not there. He, this man sees his son lose and then he checks out. And pretty much it feels like the next time that there is a moment where he matters again is when Tyler goes and, you know, breaks out, is drunk, drives, all of that. And he gets pushed down and then he doesn't get back up to fight to get his drunk son to not drive. 
that is the one thing where it's like, how did you not do that? Honestly, the other thing that either a plot, this is where I go back and forth. Is it a plot hole or is it just the characters not assuming anything of Tyler? How the fuck do you send your son to the doctor and you don't go to find out what's wrong with him that you have to find out after the fact? How the fuck does this doctor trust Tyler? Tyler, the one who's sitting there and is just like, so I can, I can wait until the end of the season, right? Yeah, I'm not going to lose my arm or anything like I don't, that's the one thing where I don't know if I have a problem with the story or if it's the characters themselves, but I'm getting derailed there. But yeah, I don't think Ronald is a good dad because when it mattered the most, he wasn't there. And that's what parents are. Parents are supposed to be there at the worst moments to be there to be able to help you out. Or if you're such a good parent, your kid will never have a bad problem because you've created a scenario around them that shields them from bad problems so yeah i i can't i can't stand here and say that ronald is a good dad i think he is a bad dad and i that's the thing i hate saying that because this man has done so much for his kids but when it mattered the most he failed i can't say he's a good dad when you failed this badly uh my take on them not knowing about him going to the doctors is well the Depending on his age, if Tyler was 18, technically the doctor couldn't tell Shit, his parents right. without he is 18. Tyler's consent because yeah. he's technically an adult. Yeah, well, I, I, we don't know. We just know he's no, a no, senior. Uh, we don't know okay, if he's so at least because of um, Alexia, which I, 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 once again, I'm going to use her name interchangeably. Whoops. Uh, Alexia's 18. I don't know. I just kind of could see them just being the same age. Yeah. It feels like it'd be a plot point if for some reason he were younger, so... Yeah, I think definitely. I think that's uh, so. There, that's a lot you said, and just to unpack a yeah, part of that. Sorry, I, sorry. I, I, no, no, it's okay. No, 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 it's fine. I legit like again. The dad should probably be more clued in. I'm not excusing him of that, but I don't. I think he went to the doctor without any of them knowing. I think the doctor wouldn't have to say shit, and I think he just decided to obviously keep that a secret so he could keep playing and not disappoint his father. Um. I, I guess Shit, calling... you can force the kid to just make to sign you over as someone who they can release medical records to. I don't know. Like there's there's enough things there where like it makes me angry. There is stuff that if they if they are good parents, then they'd be thinking of this. And even I'm not a parent and I feel like I'd see this. But I, whatever. I, I'm It's small nitpicky, but I feel like I needed to voice it anyways. No, that's fair. But we even hear later. We even hear later when the um, right after they he loses the match and he finds that and he's in the sling and he's sitting in his room crying. We even hear later yes. like them the parents arguing in the other room. We hear we hear um, Ronald yell. He lied to us. How could he could be lying to us this whole time? Yeah, How? because he just doesn't want to accept it that his kid isn't as good as maybe sure. he thinks he used to be. I don't know. That's the thing. We don't know Ronald's history. We don't know if maybe he had troubles or anything, but. I don't know. Maybe he just can't accept that because him and Tyler are so similar. Well, I would never, so he wouldn't. Yeah. I, I think here's where I think here's where I land on this, and then I'm gonna push the conversation forward, unless you guys want to really bounce back on it. But mm-hmm. I think you've got I think you've got a line here basically between being a bad dad and being a, a good dad, a passable dad. And I think Ronald is right on the middle of that line. And the only reason I push him in towards the good category is mm-hmm. at least he gives a shit and he cares. He's not, he's trying his best. And I feel you kind of see that in the second half, which we'll talk about. 
And I, I feel like although he makes a shit ton of mistakes and I would never call him a great dad, obviously the <laughs> situations that led to this wouldn't have happened if he was a great dad, but at least he fucking cares. And that's kind of where if he was a bad dad, I just don't think he would have been present at all. Like, I just don't think there would have been any sort of effort there. I don't think he would have cared at the least. And obviously, yeah, at the very end, he makes more mistakes. He's just pissed at his son at this point for lying to him in the entire time. And he's just basically trying to punish him for that. But. I don't know. It's a tough situation, and I don't know if there's no easy. I don't know if there's an easy answer to it. Let's put it that way. Sean, I'm curious. Where do you land on this? Good or bad? I think it's a gray situation. I think uh, mm. you can be good, and sometimes you can be bad. Other times, I, th- I think it really depends on the situation. I mean, life is not black and white. It's gray, and I think you know he does a great job at uh, instilling um, like good values in his son. I, I know he obviously we see the bad side of Tyler. Um, but he 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 presents like he is giving his children the opportunity that they uh, that he wants them to have. So I think from that perspective, he's a good father. But also at the same time, he ignored clear signs that his son was struggling. And from that perspective, I could see that being a bad parent. But um, from in life in general, I, I think sometimes it can be tough to recognize when your kid is struggling because you don't want your kid to struggle, so you might shield that from you, from yourself. I still think that Ronald, for the first half of this movie, is a fair-weather dad. And it bothers me. He's probably a good dad by the end of the movie. Because at that point, he is actually going to try with his daughter. The entire conversation on the lake is one of those things. It's like, okay, yeah, that is completely honest. You are going to make the attempt. But, man... (sighs) Why did he not get back up as he sees Tyler leaving? You can hear your wife screaming, are you drunk? And you let this man walk out of your house with car keys. You get pushed and you don't even get back up. Why do you have all that muscle if you're not even using it? I, oh, it it just, that actually does get mad, but not even like in a writing way. I think it gets me mad from like a character standpoint of like, just you could have stopped this but then again that leads us to the lake scene and once again we'll get there if you guys really want to see bad parenting watch uh daddy long legs and that's uh, that's oh okay but that's (laughs) no but that's like okay look 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 on the spectrum of bad dads ronald is like right below the line of like bad of like yeah you provided your kids with as much as you can the problem is you're just emotionally distant but like i'm pretty sure daddy long legs is all the way at the bottom look i just i just want an excuse to shout out daddy long legs that's all it is Uh, it's uh, it's Never from the Safty brothers, and it's very uncut gems and vibe, very tense, and oh my god, what the fuck are you doing at times? So if if you like that sort of thing, you'll have a good. Yeah, right, definitely I'll want to check out. Okay, so ends. I think we're good. So basically, we end the first half obviously with the tragic uh, incident of Tyler killing his girlfriend. They're arguing. Basically, he just loses control in this little basement area, pushes her down. She smacks her head against the concrete. She is dead. Uh, he is basically sentenced to life in prison at this point. He is done. I think he got eligibility for parole in something, they say. I don't remember entirely. Like after 30 years? Yeah. 25 years. Yeah, there you go. For so 25 years. He is eligible yeah. at some point, but it's basically for all intensive purposes the rest of his adult life. 
And that is the end of the first half. We are left broken. We are feeling like shit. I remember going on the Discord and saying if the second half of of this movie is as sad as the first, I will probably kill myself. (laughs) Um, Is it as sad? Yes, at times, but it's a very different type of second half in the movie. This is the time for us to heal. And this is where we really get to know the character of um, Emily, who's played by Taylor Russell. Uh, She's obviously in the first half of the movie, not as much, but you see her there. She's trying to be the supportive sister for the brother. And obviously she can see that things are going downhill for him, but obviously she's just the young sister. She really can't do much about this. And this is, yeah, this is the part of the movie where she has the time to shine. Uh, We get to meet uh, Lucas uh, Hedges here, whose character Luke uh, basically becomes a love interest for her. And yeah, so let's start talking about the second half here. Uh, Sean, Ed, whichever one of you want to go, let's uh, let's take it somewhere. Um, I think I think you can see how broken Emily is from what happened with her brother, specifically because when we go back to that night that he killed um, his girlfriend, she was there. She saw him walking towards Alexis and going into that room alone. And from earlier in the movie, in the first half, when uh, the bathtub scene, when she's hugging him and. She, she can tell that something's wrong, something's off. And I think right there, she knew that something was totally wrong. And I think she blames herself. She, I mean, she, she kind of blames herself for not. Oh, no, she totally does. She totally yeah. does. Like, that's right there at the lake scene. scene at the yeah. end. And you can just tell how broken she is and how, how upset she was that she didn't do anything. And But what I love is that um, when she starts seeing Luke... You can just see her slowly coming back, slowly smiling again, slowly becoming almost human again. She's no longer just a zombie. And the aspect ratio starts opening up even um, wider and wider. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. I love the aspect ratio so much. Yeah, the aspect ratio really is, again, a tool that he uses well here. And you start opening up and we start seeing the healing process live in person. Obviously, we get Emily's perspective on all of this. And... Let's just jump right to it, man. I want to talk about that scene with her and her dad. Because that scene, to me, is maybe one of my favorites in the entire movie. And it's just so well done. You know, it basically just starts with um, with Ronald asking, you know, his daughter, are you okay? Because of everything that's happened, right? And she's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. But are you okay? And he's not. <laughs> he's not at all. And he just breaks down. Because his relationship with his... Uh, are they married, by the way? They are married, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The relationship with his wife is basically broken at this point. Like they don't love each other anymore. Um, And she's just, just distracted and gone because she thinks he was a terrible father. She's in, she's in your camp, Ed, for sure. Um, And uh, I mean, (laughs) she does. Yeah. She she blames him. him. I mean, she's like, we even get that in that scene where she yells, you pushed him. She completely blames him, which I think he does deserve some of the blame. He's not absolved in any scenario in my mind, but of course, you know, he did not kill that poor girl. Um, But yeah, no, she fully blames him and he's just, you know, he doesn't know what to do because he can't for, for once in his life, he can't control anything. His son's gone for basically ever. His wife doesn't love him anymore. That relationship is over. And all he has left is his daughter, who he's probably never had the strongest relationship with. 
And it's I mean, just there a very is no relationship. I mean, there like, is no yeah. It, the the diner scene at the beginning of the movie when they go there and they're like, "Hey, yeah, Emily, you're gonna go to your brother's thing," and she's like, "No, no, no, I have stuff." And they're like, "What? You have a life, <laughs> honey? Don't you realize that Tyler's the main character? You're gonna have to go to his thing. I'm so sorry." So like, yes, of course. That's like the last thing like a high school age girl wants to do is go yeah. to their brother's like sporting event. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's just wait, Sean, yeah, are that's you why about experience. Yeah, I am actually. <laughs> yeah. oh! My sister definitely did not want to go to my sporting We can uh, we can confirm that here live on Passive Pixels. Perfect. I'm so glad we're doing investigative journalism. <laughs> But yeah, I know. So, but that's but, yeah. But that's Sean, Sean, that's because you're perfect. Like that's why. That's true. That's true. No, it's not that. I'm not perfect. Uh, no one's perfect. No doubt. one but Sean Mason. Continue. Doubt, 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 Continue. Doubt, Don't doubt. let him talk. <laughs> All right. Uh, that scene, though. Speaking of perfect, that scene is just perfect to me. I just think it's a great scene. It it makes me cry every single time. So if the you want to touch scene, on that right? scene, please. Yes, the lake scene. Yes. Oh, okay, Sean. I will let you handle this if you want. Uh, yeah, that lake scene was totally just like heart throbbing uh you just see that ronald just comes out and he's he basically lays it all out there how he's feeling he's talking about how 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 sad he basically is he he didn't really ever have anyone to talk to like i'm shocked that you know the whole family wasn't going to therapy um but apparently this was like a, this was basically a therapy session for him and it really goes to show how much it affected him and he, he starts he i think he finally understands that he needs to have a relationship with his daughter emily and he this is where it starts like listen we're gonna this is gonna be us now. we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> have a, a nice relationship i mean it even starts going fishing. i'm sorry that was a pun this is gonna be us now i'm sorry i had to um <laughs> oh my gosh i didn't even realize it anyways uh, by the way uh, just to bring it up because i already brought that up um it is very funny seeing uh seeing sterling k brown play what is basically a perfect dad on this is us and then playing a supremely flawed dad here and how either way you're like yeah i can still use it as a dad though like i can he would still be a dad i would accept um the lake house scene um just because i i love how she is ready to keep that same guard up. She Emily is ready to just, hey, how are you? And she just goes, you know, I'm being fine. And then Ronald, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I realize what you're trying to do. I guess I'll be the one that set the cadence. Yeah, I'm not doing too well. And this man, I, I don't. I don't remember if it's in a thing that's actually reflected, but I think they cut back to Emily or there's like a movement from her that makes you go, wait a minute. Did Ronald just admit that he's not doing fine? And it, there and is, there is a cut that goes oh. back to it. I noticed that I didn't notice it the first two times I watched, but uh, yesterday when I was watching, I did notice it. It's very subtle. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Okay, if it is there, cool. Now I can talk about it uh, confidently. That moment where she's like, wait a minute. This man has been trying to be the strong rock that is underneath this entire family. And this man is admitting some sort of weakness. Like, it immediately tells you that this is finally the scene where Ronald has to accept that he had a hand in this and he needs to change something or else he'll be able to push or else he'll push Emily away like he did Tyler. And it's just, it's so 
good just this entire scene honestly i love most of this movie because it is so subtle with a whole bunch of small stuff like this um so yeah that that's what i've got continue on our second rewatch claire couldn't watch the scene again she's like i can't Hard. she's like i can't do it yeah it's a hard scene to watch it's a very very real feeling um and very raw and yeah i think I... shortly after oh sorry go ahead oh no sorry so what i was gonna say is the moments that I have in this movie where it just gets a little too real, I think it's whenever... So the drive out of the abortion clinic where the camera is sitting back there and it's sitting not close enough to where you could be sitting in the middle of them, but imagine you're in a back seat and leaning forward to have your head close enough to where they're yelling. That's the scene where I'm like, this is a little too real. Ah, um... The other one uh, I want to say is the argument that they have, um, the stepmom and Ronald have, uh, where she's like, you're not here, you're not here. And you even have it transition over from Emily being able to hear it in another couple of rooms. That one felt very much, oh no, mommy and daddy are fighting again. And it's like, ah, oh, fuck, this is real, this is real. And it's it's such a testament to this movie that it can pull that off very well. Also, I'm just yeah. mentioning this because I don't want to forget it. Um, shout out to the transition from Tyler over to Emily as protagonist. I, yes. It's so good. He's just sitting in a car, red and blue police lights, and then it just becomes super neon, and it comes back and focuses on eyes, and then suddenly it's Emily. It's so good how... Look, look, I understand... Anytime you have a protagonist shift, it's not going to be like a title card comes out. It's like, hi, my name is Trey Edward Schultz. I'm here to tell you now that the protagonists are going to change. Don't be confused, anyone. Like, I know that that doesn't happen, but I still love how it's just wordless. It's just now you just know the way that the camera lingers on her and how it just slowly starts pulling away, even to where it stops. It lets you know this is her movie now. This is who we're following. Yeah, no, I agree. It's done very well and very tastefully, too. And it's just uh, pure art, in my mm -hmm. opinion. So moving on, so let's talk about basically the final stretch of the movie here where we get uh, we get a little road trip between uh, Emily and her new beau to be uh, Luke. Uh, they are deciding basically what ends up happening is he has a really bad relationship with his father. This is brought up. Uh, if we want to talk about bad dads, he seems like a really bad dad, although we don't really find out much of the background on that. Um, he basically says that gets a call, I think from his dad or from the hospital or something like that, or from a family member that he's dying. Uh, he doesn't have long left to live. And Emily's like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta go fucking see him or you're going to regret this for the best the rest of your life. I think this is partially her, you know, cause she doesn't have a very good relationship with her father either. And she's like, no, like I know how bad this is and how I want to like make amends with my father probably. And I wouldn't want to leave things like this. So you need to go now. So we're going to take a little road trip and go. And yeah, this is kind of the climax of the movie where we see just a person at the end of their life and them caring for him. Uh, guys, what did you think of the end of here? Did you, did you like this? What are your thoughts? So with this scene, uh, I know for sure that Emily was definitely projecting herself onto was his name is Luke, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So with Luke, um, I know for sure that she was thinking about probably stuff that is unsaid with her mom because she's talked about how her mom has been dead and uh i know that that probably colored her a little bit of like no 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 your dad is dying you should at least try to get 
couple of words left if you can to him not even for his sake for your own sake so you don't end up regretting it later for any reason and then that probably has to color the fact that she's already had that close brush of death going back to the first half the fact that she's at well is it's prom right whatever we're just gonna call it prom the fact that he that she's at prom and she talks to alexa in the bathroom and they actually have a good rapport at that point like they've been alexa's been broken up with tyler for like what i don't even know we don't really have a time frame but they've been broken up for what seems like a certain amount of time now and the fact that alexa is still willing to talk to emily and the fact that she's willing to like even help her put on lip gloss it's like oh she even maybe has like a tighter connection of like i was just talking to this girl maybe like an hour or two ago and now she's just dead so i know that emily has this thing probably now with death between her mom and between alexa where she's just like uh there's you need to get done what you can before something ends up happening to them and you lose your chance forever yeah no exactly sean what did you uh what did you think here of our of our finale of the two lovebirds helping a man yeah very similar to what uh ed was saying i think it's a it's a point uh it's a projection she's you know telling tyler i mean i'm telling uh luke like you need to do this like you will never have this opportunity again and you need to and i think that she feels like she didn't have that opportunity um there's also a specific moment uh right after his father ends up passing away where she's holding luke and it it's very much like the night she was holding tyler in the bathtub yeah, they even flash it and i can't remember pardon no i was saying they even flash it yeah okay that's what i couldn't remember if they flashed it but yeah they flash back and it, it just it's almost like it comes around and it just shows that like she's kind of accepted what's happened and she's like all right this is i'm i'm not that she's okay with it but she's accepted that it's happened and it's time to you know i have to move on from what happened with tyler but it just shows how much she's grown in this you know amount of time that she's there to console luke and help him through his difficult time whereas when she was going through her difficult time luke helped her reminding myself of the lake scene right so emily as soon as they bring up tyler she just has this unbridled anger to her and this anguish where she's like why would he do that my brother is a monster i hate him why would he do this to me like it's one of those things that like you hear it in her voice that she's just so desperate to try to understand what he did and she just casts him out completely from her heart like she's like i don't want to think about him i am an only child this man did something unspeakable unforgivable and i don't ever want to think of him again and it isn't until she has that moment with luke where she's holding holding him and consoling him she has this kind of reminding moment that he was probably having problems too. I fucking hate saying that because I don't, you know, I don't exactly want to forgive the dude who one decked his girlfriend and killed her. So, you know, I don't want to try and humanize him too much, but she is reminded of the love that she had for him at some point and how she may never forgive him, but she can at least accept to some degree that 
he was someone that she used to care for, even if that reality where she can care for him might never come back. And it's, it's so, it's so good. Yeah, it's pretty incredible what they end up doing there. I feel like, I, I feel, I, I don't even know how to say it. It's just the way that this movie in particular just manages to capture some of these people's lowest points of their lives. Like, the, 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 it's not going to get worse for most of these people here. In this, oh, yeah. In the, in yeah, this yeah. movie from what we see. All like, uphill from here. It's all uphill from here. We're at the very bottom of the barrel here for everyone. And how it manages to do that, but then yet at the end of the movie, at the very, very end of the movie, you still kind of have a smile on your face and you're feeling a little bit more positive. I was. Maybe I'm crazy. But by the end of this movie, I was like, you know, I don't feel like killing myself. Well, I mean, I always feel like killing myself, but I don't feel <laughs> because of this movie, because of this movie, I don't particularly feel like killing myself anymore. Like, holy shit, uh, Trey Edward Schultz, you genius. How did you mm-hmm. do that? And and it's just like I said, it's the tale of two halves of a movie and how you have your heart broken and then how it puts it back together. And I think it's just incredibly unique how it's shot and how it's done. And it's just completely brilliant in my mind. So I loved it. And I loved all of that. And it's a very special movie to me now. So I'm glad you guys got to uh, experience and enjoy it. Um, I guess from now, <laughs> I always get to call dibs on that one. <laughs> yeah, you do that. That, that one's, a, that one's an Ed pick for sure. So I know, uh, Sean, you took a bunch of notes Ed, you didn't take so many, but is there anything that we're really missing that we forgot to cover that you wanted to mention? I mean, there's a lot to it. I mean, we haven't even talked about the soundtrack. I was Incred- just about to bring up. The soundtrack. Okay. So please, Sean, oh my dive gosh. into some of your notes. What are we missing here? Let's talk about the soundtrack oh my- first. So the beach scene, the beach party scene, when, um, Tyler is just like totally drunk and smoking. Dick, get big yes, the when the Kendrick Lamar song comes on, oh my gosh! I was like, that was the point where I'm like, all right, the soundtrack is insane, and the way they incorporate the music into the scenes too. It, the music is so loud that it, it's almost like it's not difficult to hear them speaking, but it's almost like it's supposed to set it sets the mood of the scene. It's 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 a party. I, just, I love the soundtrack. Uh, so here's the thing that was um funny because of course i watched the movie and then you know i usually give my wife kind of like my uh thoughts on it which she never asked for but hey i'm really bad about talking anyway so here you can have this one i'll talk about a movie instead Uh, by that i'm okay i realize the irony of having a podcast and saying i'm bad at talking i mean hey what was your day like it's like well i sat at my desk and then i left so um anyways uh i remember after watching this movie, I walk over to her and I'm just like, yeah, it's so funny how Euphoria just watched Waves and like, yeah, what if we did that but bad? Um, so it's very funny seeing and hearing the soundtracks like, man, you guys have such a great taste in cinematography and music and you have characters that are totally believable act at such a high level. And then Euphoria just goes, yeah, yeah. But what if we have all of that except Every person sucks. And then HBO said, cool, when can you get started? Yeah, you know, I can definitely see some similarities. I'm a pretty kind of a hater 
on Euphoria now. Understandable. I, I, it's just not for me, but I can understand Look, it's also. Garbage. It's garbage. It's garbage. It's fun, it's, entertaining it's, garbage. It's fun. Well, and, but what's really frustrating me is those special episodes, right? Because yes. those special episodes, it's not, the it's most not garbage at all. It's like, it's like, oh my God, you actually tried here. These are really fucking great. Like, can I have yes. more of that, please? No, no, you can't. You can have just more garbage. There you go. Like, oh, fuck <laughs> you. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, there are definitely similarities there. I mean, the fucking uh, Alexis uh, in here is. You know, like I said, in a bit, like you said, in a bitch in one and not a bitch in the other. So, but look, look, look. Alexa's character <laughs> is in Euphoria is if they brought her back to life after waves, and it's like really angry. It's like you guys let me just get killed. Do you this this man hit me in the head is crying over my body when he could have called nine one one and probably saved me. I'm angry. Actually, they're very they're very slow about that. Like she probably could have survived if somebody called quicker. But no, that's the thing. Tyler was the one who was slow about it. This is oh, like, I know. Oh, no, no, I'm yeah, not, yeah, not the people. No. Out. Yeah, well, no, and, and I get it. At this point, Tyler's probably just his life is flashing before he, his eyes. He knows he's cooked at this point. So, um, can I bring yeah, up so one more thing about the soundtrack? Uh, please go ahead. Absolutely. The scene when Tyler's driving to the party where he's drunk and high and he just got in a fight with his yes. father. They're playing Kanye West, I Am A God is playing. You can oh, just no. feel it, how... Dude, it like, starts in, playing as soon as he Tyler pushes feels. his dad. It As yeah. soon as he pushes his yeah. dad, that's when it plays. And I'm just like, you know what? I Let's go a little bit religious. The son has bespoken the father. Oh my God. And you play I Am A God. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And he just feel you can feel how invincible Tyler feels. Like he's like nothing can stop me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh. incredible stuff. No, the soundtrack here is very good, especially if you're a rap fan. There's going to be a lot for you to like here. But even the original music that's used to at times is really great. So it's a great score. Um, Sean, do you have any other notes on that uh, patties you wanted to go over? Uh, just like one more thing that I have is, did you notice? You know, at the beginning, right after um, Tyler leaves from the doctors, they go to the wrestling practice, and he's like. He's wrestling. Do you know? Do you, do you notice he's wrestling Luke? Yep. Oh, I didn't notice I, I that. Didn't, no. Yeah, I picked it up <laughs> on my second watch. Yeah. Oh shit! I had no idea. Huh? And, like he goes, like he goes, like extra, like extra on him, basically, and like he's going oh, really hard on him, and he gets up and Luke's is bleeding from his mouth. Oh, fuck. I didn't I notice didn't it until my second that. watch through. That's yeah. crazy. No, I didn't notice that either watch throughs. I'm dumb. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the thing. They make it very subtle, but the movie basically already tells you that Luke would have known. And that's kind of what makes it so interesting of why Luke kind of plays a little dumb with Emily of like, look, I understand her feelings. Yeah, it's like, I know you probably have to deal with this enough as you do already. So um, we're just not going to bring that up unless you want to. Yeah, they show that one scene of her scrolling through all the comments, right? About her brother, and that's and 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 her and two, and it's just oh, heartbreaking, harsh. heartbreaking. Yeah, that's, 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 that's hard to watch. That's a hard to watch scene for sure. Just because I'm Ugh. scanning through the movie, because I assume now we're just kind of like in the wrap up phase to yeah, see what yeah. So yeah, Ed, anything um, else you wanted to mention or bring up there for sure? I love the workout scene between Tyler and his dad. Like I love it because it's that's why I called Ronald a fair weather father because that entire workout scene is like. Dude, that is some good shit. Like, you have this banter back and forth. You have him being able to see his son as not, you know, that's the thing. You should probably still be seeing them as a kid. But, like, if you still have those humanizing moments where you're hanging out with your kid, that is the moment where it's like, yeah, you're not, okay, you are a bad dad. (laughs) But you're also, like, you're probably a fair-weather dad because, like, whenever it's going good, 
you're great at this. You're there, you're working out, you're pushing him, he's pushing you, you guys keep going back and forth and having fun. The moment when um, Ronald kind of is starting to reach his limits and he's like, I can't, I'm trying to flex, and then he like he starts crouching down, and Tyler's like, you all right, old man? You, you flex too hard? And then like Ronald's like, he's he can't even breathe well enough to laugh. Like, it's... It's so good, and that's why it makes me just angrier. Like, you could have been a good dad, but literally when it mattered the most is when you fumbled the ball. That's why I go back to it being a great situation where, you know, in some aspects he's a great dad and other aspects he's not so great yeah but it's like whenever you have those friends who like only whenever things are going good that show up it's like oh cool you're great and then there are times where like yeah listen i don't understand what happened my car got stolen who am i going to call to help me out well i'm probably not going to call out the people who don't or who aren't there for me at the worst moments disneyland dad understandable yeah i get i get what you're saying yeah yeah, no, for thing. sure. I, I think I think it's I, I think it's a very nuanced conversation, and I actually do kind of. I'm not sure if there's a right or wrong answer for that. You know, I think he tries. Whether that attempt is enough to be considered a good dad or not, I mean, who the fuck knows, man. Uh, what I do know for sure is he certainly uh, failed his son in a lot of different ways, oh, yeah. and that's why you know, and that's that's the end of the day. And you know, you hope, and I think you, you, you we don't see the ending. We don't know for sure what happens in the future with these people. But you hope he learns from that situation and can uh, find some comfort in that. And, oh, they uh, become a family. I, and, I, yeah, I, I become feel confident saying that. I, and, I, and I feel that too. But just be there for Emily. You know, be, you, 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 you fucked up with, uh, with, with Tyler. That's done. That's ne- you can never fix that. But you've still got one kid who's there who needs your love and support. So take care of them. And uh, I'm pretty confident that they do that at the end too uh, at least that's what i like to feel because i don't want to be depressed for that long <laughs> <laughs> um so um, one thing yeah. i do want to bring up cinematography wise i love <laughs> how tyler's entire thing is just like neon soaked and it's just his entire section is just so hyper colored and <laughs> then you get to emily and it suddenly looks normal and it's like man that yeah. Uh, I, I don't really know what it is. I might go up my ass on this one, so stop me if it seems like I'm digging too far. But <laughs> honestly, it just sort of feels like it becomes something where it's like how Tyler sees his world where it seems super heightened and super emotional and everything is on the edge and everything is like, ah, this is the most important thing that's going on right now in my life. Like, I feel like it is a good indication of how Tyler sees his world. Am I going too far up or no. should I even go further? <laughs> no, I, I think you're right there, honestly. Like that okay. just seems like that, that that seems very, again, especially having seen um, Mr. Schultz's other movies. Uh, there's nothing really accidental with the way he shoots his films, I feel. And mm. you get a huge distinct difference from the first half in how glitzy and glamorous it looks visually uh, in comparison mm. to the second half, which is, I don't say dull, but it's a lot more um, muted and normal and just feels... Yeah. You know, feels like um, it feels more like reality instead of feels like, more you like know, you're in a nightclub yeah. for the entire first half of the movie. Exactly, exactly. So no, I, I definitely think you're onto something there. By sure. the way, the nightclub though aspect, mm, mm, it's mm-hmm. so good that HBO said greenlight an entire show about that. Yeah, th- this like I said, this movie in 4K visually would be really stunning. <sighs> so it bothers me so much. Which, by the way, um, if you are listening to this at release date. Um, today is the day that Alexa was born. Yay! Uh, I only noticed it when I was watching the movie. I was like, wait a minute. 
July 15th, 2000, which, by the way, terrifying to think that anyone was born in the year 2000. I don't exactly like that. Um, hey, dude, how do you think I feel with my students? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no shit. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, July 15th. I'm going to make sure to release it by then, the day that, hold on, uh, the frame is coming up. I need to make sure that I can pause it so I can get her name. Today, the day I release it, is the day that Alexis Luna Lopez was born, our beloved daughter, July 15, 2000 to November 18, 2018. Rest in peace, you and your baby. Rest in peace. Um, All right. Oh, uh, two scenes I do want to bring up. Uh, by the way, I feel like I'm starting to don- don- uh, dominate it a little bit, so does anyone want to cut me up before I bring up two scenes I want to talk about? Oh, no, I, I'm good. No, you keep, go for you, it. You keep going. To, all my notes have been touched on, honestly, so... Sean, how are you with your notes? Or if you have any. I'm good. We, we went over most of it. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Bring up you what go. you want. All right. So three things, actually. Uh, one is somewhat of a joke, um, which is that I love how after you leave uh, Tyler's dad. Not Tyler. No, it is. No, no. Sorry. Luke's dad. Once you leave Luke's dad, I love how it feels so much like a Nolan movie when it ends, when you just have, like, different scenes of different endings to different plot lines, and it's like, oh, well, Alexis' parents is, well, they're at the graveyard now. They're sad. Oh, now we have uh, the shot of um, Tyler in prison. He's sad. Um, Oh, look, you have the mom reading the text message and accepting that she can probably go see her son again. That's sad. Uh, I just had to make that joke just because it was very funny seeing that similarity. And considering that our our own Dorian over here loves it and uh, he prays at his Nolan altar every day. I just wanted to bring it up because it's a fun parallel. Um, no one the other trust. one. <laughs> you do. Uh, two things, right? One that I want to bring up is that in that sad montage at the end, it's a small little moment, but again, I'm going to go up my own ass here because this is what these special episodes require. I love that. You remember how I was talking about how um, Ronald gives uh, Tyler that look whenever he loses, like that just I'm well, that, so that dis- look of just disappointment, that death stare. No, not even a death stare. It's just like because Ronald has just been so angry for most of this movie, it is the most. I'm not mad, I'm disappointed stare that he can muster up. Um, Anyways, it is something that you kind of learn about his character that he doesn't want to ever accept weakness uh, from others. They have a cat that, which by the way, Tyler being like, get that Michael J.S. Fox cat out of here. Oh yeah. (laughs) Way too good, honestly. That was like, oh man, that was... (laughs) Um... So the cat has problems. It's funny because I remember watching it and seeing that scene and just being like, wow, that's funny. What was the point of that? But then at the end of the movie, Ronald goes up and he sees the cat and then he goes up to pet it. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the movie is telling me that Ronald might be willing to accept a little bit less than perfection in his life now. Again, you know what? Even though I like to say I may be going at my own ass on that one, I'm going to push harder and say I'm right on that one. I don't want to say it's an interpretation. I want to say I'm right on that one. Uh, do you guys agree or do you want to be wrong? I agree. No, I, no, I, think, I, I think you're right because otherwise that scene really uh, serves nothing other than 
being kind of funny, which mm-hmm. I mean, it is funny at the time. And I think that's good. I think Trey always puts a little bit of humor in his stuff, but uh, all of his stuff usually serves um, serves a better purpose. So, no, I think you're definitely spot on with that one. Immediately after that is where he looks at Tyler's bedroom and then walks in and he finds his wife in there and they both sit there. They don't say a word. He holds her hand and that's it. And that is also why I'm convinced now that this is all about why after this entire movie, they will become a family because all the pieces are there. Emily's not ready to give up. The mom is ready to go visit Tyler in prison. Ronald is there willing to sit in a room to be reminded of his son, who he rightfully probably still deems a failure and is ready to probably accept the grieving that he hasn't been able to let himself feel because he doesn't ever want to accept that there may have been a failure not only with himself but with Tyler so that entire thing of them just him walking in the room sitting there it's him finally being able to accept the grief of that he fucked up and I I love it It, it's just uh, here I go again explaining shit and then just saying and then ending it with, yeah, I like that. That was, um, w- was that after she sent the big text message? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, I agree then. Yeah, I, I think that's just basically, you're right. They're just saying, hey, everything's going to be okay, right? Like, mm. they're worried about, like, they had, obviously hadn't heard from her, so they're fucking freaking out now. And that actually probably, honestly, maybe even ends up probably bringing them together a little bit there, too. Um, just their shared concern for their daughter. They get that text message. She's okay. She's coming home. Everything's fine what the fuck's going on. We'll get more soon, but Hey, can we just take a moment and sit here in silence and appreciate that? Uh, there's still more to live for. And I think we get that, with that scene again, very small shot, but you can glean quite a bit from it. Oh yeah. I, I really, I do believe that they will be a happy family in the end. Um, I think that ending really, like we said, the beginning slowly breaks your heart. Second half slowly, Builds it back up, and I think it ends on a positive note where you can confidently say, yeah, they're going to be a great family. They, yeah, they're going to have their things they need to work out, but I think they're going to pull through it. Um, so let me see. I got that out of the way. I got that. Is there anything else left to this movie besides my final question? Yeah, okay. I got my final question then. Why is the movie called Waves? Because it takes place in Florida on the sunny beaches and waves of uh, Miami, man. Have you ever seen the beginning that of the meme? movie when they're in the water, they're swimming around in the water, and that's how you know that Tyler's like, wow, I think I found the one for me. And then slowly after that, his life just crumbles before his eyes. <laughs> so have you guys ever seen fun. that meme where it's like um, it's like a bell curve and then you have yeah. someone who's like supremely stupid saying the right thing. And then you have the median just being like, I'm going to say something that is probably wrong. And then you get to the other end and you realize the stupidest person or the smartest person are saying the same thing. I exactly. feel like I feel like you saying <laughs> it's in Florida, man, feels like the middle of the bell curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we were looking at it from a from an actual non meme perspective here, I mean, what, what, what do we know about waves? Waves are rocky. They're bumpy, right? You're, they're you're, they're always you know you you go through different um you're just going through different ebbs and flows with them they're they're never quite the same they're always a little bit up and down, so, up and yeah, down. It's, a, it's a really good point actually and and I think that's kind of where we are with this film right it's it's blocky it's bumpy we're not uh, we're not ever going in the same direction uh we get there I think it has a lot to do with the fact that waves kind of like like um, Dorian said they ebb and flow 
they come in all different shapes and sizes. Sometimes they're, they start off huge and powerful and other times they're small and subtle. And I, I think that could have something to do with it. It could also be that it takes place in Florida. Who really knows? Um, <laughs> but overall, great movie. Uh, yeah, pretty much. You guys took the words right out of my mouth. It's basically waves will continuously hit you. Sometimes they'll be pleasant. Sometimes they'll knock you on your ass. But regardless, the waves will keep coming back to hit you. So really, the only thing you can do was withstand them and make sure that you are strong enough to handle the next wave. And they got hit by a hard one with Tyler. And now all they can do is to get back up and let the waves keep washing over. Oh, yeah. Really beautifully, beautifully said. I I, uh, couldn't agree with more with that. And uh, I think that's pretty much the perfect closing spot. So final thoughts for anyone. I'll go round table here and then I will finish this off. Ed, anything else to say about waves or just in general life that you wanted to leave us with? I have nothing besides shout out to the neon credits. I, I Usually whenever I watch a really good movie, I will sit there and watch the credits. So God bless this movie just having gorgeous neon lights just flickering around. And also shout out to them using the end of uh, Mr. Robot Season 1 song. Uh, I oh, yeah. love end of Season 1 Mr. Robot song. Yes. I didn't even put that together until you just said it, but that's, yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's all I got. Good shit. Sean, sir. Uh, I just want to say thanks again for having me. Uh, We're honored to have you, not the other way around. Yes. No, I'm honored to be here. Um, (laughs) If for some reason you listen to this whole podcast and you haven't seen the movie, um, I will even laugh you at know, you. I will laugh at you. What is wrong with you? <laughs> even if, even though you know the plot and the basic plot points, I still highly encourage you to watch this movie because even just knowing the plot, it's still going to make you feel things, and it is just an overall great experience to watch. So, yeah. In that same breath, in that same breath, Dorian, you can have this one. You're going to be really happy about this one. Uh, A certain other A24 movie that I've watched, (laughs) um, you know, on a second watch was boring to me. So um, shout out to Waves on a second viewing being even better. So even if you somehow got this far and you've heard us spoil literally everything, you can still watch this and probably enjoy it. Can you can you cough again? I missed that cough the first time. Oh, okay. Sorry. I got I got I should probably be drinking my water, you know. Mm. You know how I get whenever I I'm below negative 100 calories of the day. Um so what I was trying to say, <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know I, I I hope you got it that time. God damn it, I didn't. Now now I'm curious, but I'll have to I'll have to look at my uh, A24 rankings later. I'll probably figure it out from that. I'm sure oh wait! I... Oh, you actually didn't hear what I said. No, I didn't. I can't hear what you. Oh, uh, ex machina. Oh, ex machina. Right. That's right, why right, I said okay. that I was giving yeah. you this one because I know uh, you okay. very much enjoy. Yes. It. Yeah. I, pre- I appreciate the uh, ex machina is mid crowd. We're few. Uh, we're, no, uh, I'm not about mid. I'm not going to go up with that. It's just you know, on a second watch. Mm, yeah. Mm. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. You, actually, you watching that for the first time this Sunday. Well, that, that should be interesting, Sean. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. And, yeah, uh, it was my dad's pick for this Sunday. Right. Very, very, very interesting. Post-Sunday dinner movie. Oof. Oh, it's a good God, one. nothing it's better. A... <laughs> no doubt. Um, all right, well, I'll finish this off here. Waves is a phenomenal film. It is in my top, um, man, I don't know. Exa- I, I, I'm blanking on where I have it, but it's definitely in my top 30. I know that now. Uh, and it could rise further after some more repeated viewings. I love this movie. It's my third favorite movie of 2019, which was a slaughterhouse of a year. There's so much incredible stuff there. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's behind Uncut Gems and The Lighthouse, which are just two seminal movies for me. So I can't even take anything away from it. What are your furry 24 in general? And just an incredible mm-hmm. film. I mean, it's very easy to recommend this film to a lot of different people. It's tough. It's not an easy watch at times. But I think uh, I think you'll get a lot out of it if you give it a shot and uh, go in with an open mind. And uh, just get ready for a unique experience because Trey Edward Schultz is a unique director, what he does with his cinematography and what he does with some of the filming. And you get some really cool shit out of it. So... Uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you give it a watch and definitely check it out. So I'd like to thank once again, Ed and Sean for being here. Uh, it was great having you specifically, Sean, please come on the show more often. You're the beacon of light in, uh, in another ways. Uh, depressed I mean, show. between the, if it's going to be a podcast being hosted by the two of us, we already know it's going to spiral. So, uh, you know, God, God bless Sean Mason for being our one beacon through this darkness. Absolutely. God bless you, Sean. You guys are too <laughs> kind. I, I, like I said, I'm just happy to be here. I'm honored to be here. I love this podcast. So The problem is, mirror, is that to mirror, imply mirror. saying that Sean is too kind, that means that he is being too kind instead of just being the right amount. And we know yeah, that can't... Sean has never messed up. No, there's no uh, there, there's no too kind allowed, unfortunately. Not not from uh, not from Mr. Sean Mason. <laughs> At least you, you and me, Dorian, like maybe, maybe like maybe it looks like it becomes a certain moment where it becomes really suspect. It's like you want something, oh. don't you? Oh no, for sure. We're we're just cunts. So uh, and, yeah, you know what? End end card. Just end card. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode. From episode zero to the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show. A big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks, either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman one one seven underscore. That's Boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117.